What is going on, guys? I am Paul Ryan, your host of the ATB Fantasy Show. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. And to our regular listeners, welcome back. Back from his one-week hiatus as the best co-host in the world, <laughs> Dave, a.k.a. Mr. Pigskin Papers Hartman. Dave, how are you? I'm doing well, Paul. Uh, I'm not down in Texas like you, so I'm not, uh, mm. I'm not boiling over. Um, but <laughs> uh, Dave, where can we find you on Twitter, sir? Yep. Uh, I am at Pigskin Papers. Both of the P's are capitalized. And uh, my website, where I post all my content, is thepigskinpapers.com. Yes, sir. Guys, I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. Well, Dave, we missed you last week. It was part one of our division breakdown and former show host and your SFB 13 league mate, Rich Mileto, stopped by to discuss the AFC North. Uh, Guys, be sure to follow Rich on Twitter at Fantasy Bosco. Well, here we are with part two of our division breakdown and we're staying in the North, but we're moving over to the NFC. With us tonight is another great guest. NFL, NBA, and WNBA analyst and writer for ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Eric Moody to the show. Eric, how are you? No, things are going pretty good. Like, as you mentioned, Paul, about, uh, you know, weather in Texas. You know, I'm in Texas, <laughs> in the North Texas area. It's very hot, 100-plus degree days, but I'm keeping cool. You know, I'm excited. It's summertime. We're getting closer to the NFL season. And things are really going to start to pick up here in a couple of weeks of training camp and preseason but there's a ton of fantasy football articles and contents out there and podcasts and live streams like this one so i'm looking forward to diving in absolutely well uh eric uh where can we find you on twitter sir yeah everyone can find me on twitter at eric n moody and so that's my uh, handle on really all social media platforms twitter instagram and tiktok so if you're not following me already stop what you're doing and go do that (laughs) and obviously listen to this show as well so all right, Moody, well, let's go ahead and get offered, sir. I'm curious, how long have you been, been playing fantasy football? Oh, wow. Great question. For for me and fantasy, I, I think we've had a relationship for getting close to, to 20 years now. And so I've always been like a huge like NFL fan like growing up, uh, but I oh, never yeah. ended up playing fantasy football. So once a very good friend of mine – you know, just ask me, hey, I know you're a big NFL fan. Have you ever played fantasy football? I said, I haven't, but I'm open to it. So he invited me to his league, and I was immediately hooked. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's exactly how it goes, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you guys make me feel young, uh, make me feel old because I'm, I'm coming up on 30 years playing fantasy football. <laughs> Moody, what inspired you to start creating uh, fantasy football and betting content? Well, you know, I had a Twitter account really like for a, a long time, but I never really like used it. And so I always talked about, you know, the NFL and fantasy football, like with other people, you know, whether I was at, at work, like in the lunchroom or on breaks, you're just walking around, you know, social events, you go out with friends, you know, go out with family. So I was constantly talking about it. So, you know, I just decided, hey, I just want to rebrand my Twitter account just really to focus just on the NFL and just focus on fantasy football and share my opinions because I was always very open and just wanting to help people. And so this was another way that I could help people, you know, by giving them that advice and putting them in a position to, you know, win their league. And, uh, and so I think what ended up happening thinking back was, um, you know, so I had the Twitter account and so it was a website. They don't exist any longer. So, but it's fantasy football locker room. That was the website. So they just reached out. They sent me a DM on Twitter and they just asked, hey, have you ever thought about creating content? I said, 
I haven't, you know, but it is something I wouldn't mind doing. And things just kind of started from there. So very cool. That's very great. cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you mentioned uh, fantasy football locker room. Was, was that a, an addition to that site? Was there another site or company that you worked worked for before working with the ESPN? Yeah, there, there were a lot of a lot of websites. I felt like it's probably not a, a website out there that that I haven't written for. <laughs> so just funny thinking back. So really, with that opportunity at Fantasy Football Locker Room, you know, that led to opportunities to uh, create content for uh, Gridiron Experts, mm. um, and that led to an opportunity like with Fantasy Pros because there, if there were places that were looking for content creators, you know, I would just put my name in the hat because I didn't want to yeah. write for multiple places. And, uh, you know, spent a, a number of years at Rotoviz uh, as well, you know, fantasy data. Mm. Uh, did a little bit of work with Dynasty League football, you know, four for four. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to do quite a bit like with the athletic, you know, creating content and, uh, you know, doing podcasts and different things like that. And that kind of transitioned on to Pro Football Network. And then finally, at that point, uh, that's where I joined ESPN. And it'll be two years uh, this September. So. Congratulations. That's great. I, I was I was going to ask you uh, sort mm-hmm. of how you got that opportunity at ESPN, mm-hmm. but you, you kind of just explained that. But can can you tell us a little bit about what your role is at ESPN and the different kinds of content you are creating over there? Yeah, no, I can do that. And so, you know, uh, my title, I guess it's like a I guess the best way to put it is like on air talent and, and writer. So I'll create like written content, audio content, video content really revolving around the NFL, NBA, and WNBA uh, from a fantasy and sports betting uh, perspective. But, you know, I've also had an opportunity, you know, as well, just to appear on different shows. You know, I've appeared on the uh, Fantasy Focus, you know, football show, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Fantasy Football Marathon. You know, I've hopped on uh, Daily Wager, you know, This Just In, and uh, an ESPN Bet. And so it's kind of like a a combination of a lot of different things. Really revolves around audio, video, uh, and written content. I've also done some stuff on ESPN radio as well. So that's kind of in a nutshell, the role and kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. So Sounds fun. And it sounds mm-hmm. busy. It sounds like there's a lot, yeah. uh, kind of a lot of balls in the air all the time for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially with covering all, you know, all three sports. It's not really like a, like a down period. So I know those that yeah. just focus on fantasy football, you know, at the end of the fantasy football season, they'll be like, all right, well, fantasy football's done. I guess I'll shift my focus, you know, to the draft and just wait till it gets busy again. But immediately after fantasy football ends, like, I'll still keep the betting content up. You know, it's the NFL playoffs and you got the draft coming up. So it's a component there. But then, you know, I have to shift my attention to the NBA because that, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very long season, you know, with, uh, you know, 82 regular season games in the postseason. And now the WNBA is in full swing. And then the fantasy content will obviously pick up. Uh, more in July. So it's always something going on, but I've always been really good at time management. So it just really comes down to kind of time blocking and silo and what you need to do to get it all done. So excellent. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, recently, uh, Moody, the ES, the crew at ESPN did a, did a mock draft and I found it interesting because you took a, a, an approach that most people don't, don't use these days. And you, you went <laughs> running back heavy with, with this mock draft. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I can do that. Yeah. My, um, my usual strategy just revolves around using like positional tiers. So I love uh, positional tiers because really allows like the the decisions that are made into in the draft like to dictate you know the players that I'll end up selecting. And that's just really in that draft how it fell to me when I was looking and using my positional tiers. 
Uh, but one thing that I noticed, like in, in drafts, and I've done a lot of mock drafts, and we'll do more with the ESPN team, but I just like to do them in general, is that I think it's a ton of viable running backs available, like in rounds like three through seven. Like in case someone does want to go like wide receiver, like heavy. I'm like, you got Najee yeah. Harris out there, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, Aaron Jones, Isaiah Pacheco. Those are just some names that are kind of off the top of my head. Uh, but I always like using positional tiers. If someone out there that's watching or listening does not use them, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, and, but, you know, it's a lot of different ways to, uh, to win your league. So that's what makes it so fun, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of doing mock drafts also. And with, uh, with a Scott Fishbowl drafts coming up soon, I've been doing a bunch of those. And uh, they come out very different every time because the board, yeah. just, you don't know. Uh, you don't know where the board is is going to head, and especially in a super flex. Yeah, um, I think it just makes it more complicated. So, as as Paul mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we're going to focus on the uh, NFC North today, um, which I think is a pretty interesting division. Yes, this season because for the first time in 15 years, you don't have Aaron Rodgers in the division <laughs> as a starting quarterback. And you know, I was I was looking back. Uh, the Packers are the only team in that division that's not only won a Super Bowl this century, but since 1985. Yeah. Right. So it's a, a little bit of a championship starved division. It's kind of, I like the NFC North. It's kind of like the, the rust belt, you know, some really old <laughs> NFL teams like, like the that. Packers and the bears and the lions teams that have been around for a really long time. Um, Chris Berman, uh, who probably became the first like household name at, at ESPN as an anchor, used to call it the NFC Norris division because the NHL used to have a Norris division that had the uh, the Blackhawks um, and the Red Wings and the Minnesota North Stars in it. So mm -hmm. it's kind of not a big glamour division, but there's definitely a lot of interesting um, fantasy assets in that division, even with Rodgers out of the division. So we'll start yeah. start with the Vikings, um, who won the division last year um, by winning a ton of one-score games. And we could save that conversation for another day about whether the Vikings were were a mirage or not. But um, as, as I think we all know, as everyone knows, they recently released Dalvin Cook. Um, and so Alexander Madison, who ably filled in for Cook on multiple occasions in the last couple of years – whenever Cook got hurt, now, you know, suddenly finds himself um, as the presumed number one RB, uh, number one running back there. Um, Eric, what do you think about him this season? And do you think he's sort of a value at his current ADP or not? Yeah, whenever I think of Alexander Madison, like I, I do believe that he's still like a value pick. And it may just be some uncertainty with him actually being in this RB1 or starting role. And he's had a, a stellar track record. I'm like, this is a player who's averaged a remarkable 23.3 touches and 20 fantasy points per game in six games without Dalvin Cook. And you look at the Vikings, they've really shored up their once troubled offensive line, which is a good sign. You know, all five starters were selected within the first two rounds of five consecutive drafts. So I just look at the stage being set for someone like Madison to really seize a massive opportunity here. You know, making him a hot commodity, in my opinion, in fantasy drafts. But I think it's important, I just think, for everyone to have realistic expectations. Like, the Vikings are going to be a pass-heavy team. You know, Kirk Cousins could accumulate close to 600 pass attempts in 2023. 
So I think someone like Madison could see anywhere from 250 to 260 touches. And that still makes him, in my opinion, a solid RB2 in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look at that Vikings offense. You mentioned Kirk Cousins in the passing attempts. And just overall, the Vikings offense compared to the rest of the division, is there a chance for Alexander Madison to potentially be the highest scoring running back in this division? Yeah, that's a great question. My gut, you know, my gut says no. I don't see that happening. Uh, I just see someone like Aaron Jones, you know, scoring the most, you know, fantasy points out of all the running backs in the division. I'm like speaking, you know, speaking about Jones. I'm like he's a great value in fantasy drafts right now. I think he's someone that does have the potential to finish like as a low end RB one. One thing about Green Bay, I'm like they do boast a formidable offensive line. I'm like this is mm-hmm. a unit that ranked like eighth in run block win rate, really showcasing their ability to open up running lanes effectively. And one thing about Green Bay, I'm like, they have made significant investments in bolstering their offensive line in recent years. And in my opinion, it's really paid off. I'm like, you know, I'm talking about Aaron Jones, but look at A.J. Dillon too. Like both of them really reaped the benefits behind this unit. I'm like, they accumulated nearly 1,900 rushing yards last year. And one thing about Jones, I'm like, he ranked seventh in rushing yards before first contact. Then among running backs with 150 or more rushing attempts last season, he also had the fifth highest success rate. So you got Jordan Love that's under center now. Obviously, they're going to want to lean a little bit more on the running game and be more balanced to help him out as much as possible. But one thing about Jones, I'm like he's averaged 16.2 touches per game like over the last three seasons. So I think fantasy managers can really expect a similar workload in, in uh, 2022. So I really love Jones like as an RB2. I do believe that he can end up being the top scorer in this division. Interesting. Um, let's stick stick with Minnesota for a minute. Uh, Adam Thielen is finally uh, gone as the as the Vikings' number two receiver. Um, they of course added T.J. Hawkinson middle of the season last year, and he really emerged as yeah. number two target in that offense um, behind Justin Jefferson, who. You know, he's he's number one on on fantasy boards this year, but they drafted Jordan number one receiver that is on fantasy boards. But they drafted Jordan Addison, um, who it would appear has a really nice opportunity. You know, K.J. Osborne, he's he's flashed at times, but hasn't really stepped up that much as someone who you'd think of as as a as a wide receiver, too. It's it's not a division that has sort of great depth at wide receiver on most of the teams in the division. So do you think that that Addison could immediately step in and be the best second receiver on his team in that division? Yeah, my, my initial thought is is yes. Uh, I just look up look at Addison thinking that I think the stars have really aligned for him in 2023. Yeah. I'm like, just look at his Vikings team. You know, they drafted him in the first round to really address a key offensive need. And one thing about Addison that I like, I'm like, he's an exceptional route runner. It really makes him a prime target for favorable opportunities and really one of the league's like top offenses. You've got Justin Jefferson. Everyone knows about him and really the attention that he commands. So I look at someone like Addison. He really has a chance to excel, uh, really like play in and play out uh, really all season. Uh, while I don't think his production will match, say, Jefferson's rookie numbers, I don't think it's going to be that epic, but I think that Addison could like assume a similar role that Jefferson had, like when he replaced Stefan Diggs, like in 2020. I, I think about Adam Thielen, where you mentioned him. Uh, and 
I think this is a player, when you take Adam Thielen out, like in Addison, I'm like, he could get close to 100 or more targets and really make a significant impact, like in the Vikings, like passing attack. So I'm looking at Addison as someone that's more so like a flex option with upside. I just wouldn't be comfortable rolling with him as my fantasy wide receiver, too. Those are my initial thoughts. So, mm, Okay. That's fair. Yeah. You, you look at, you know, kind of sticking with the Dolphins, not the Dolphins, excuse me, the Vikings here. And mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, he, he's he's the guy leading the way. And he, he's been an underrated fantasy asset himself, you know, constant, consistently being a QB1. But another team in this division that's made strides offensively is the Detroit Lions. Well, when you look at Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff, is, who do you prefer in fantasy in 2023? Yeah, I actually prefer Kirk Cousins here. One thing about Cousins and Jared Goff, like they do have a similar ADP, but Cousins has more upside in my opinion. You know, I mentioned okay. it a moment ago, the Vikings you know, should continue to be a very pass-heavy offense. Yeah. And one thing about Cousins, I'm like he's got you know, three great receiving playmakers. We mentioned Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's got Jordan Addison, obviously. He's got TJ Hawkinson. And one thing about Cousins, like since 2019, I'm like, he's been solid. Like he's averaged 18.5 fantasy points per game. And if I'm in a super flex format, I'm like, he's one of my favorite like QB2 targets. I'm even open to having uh, Cousins as my uh, QB1, like in a single quarterback format. Mm, I may okay. just have another quarterback on my bench just to kind of play matchups if necessary. But right. I think Cousins is well positioned for success. I'm like, he, he could finish easily as a uh, top 10 to top 12 fantasy quarterback. So. Yeah, which he's done pretty much year in and year out the last two exactly. years. And it's funny, it's funny, Paul, that you you asked this question about these two quarterbacks because in my main league, which is a 14-team league, um, last year I waited on QB and I ended up with Cousins and Goff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cousins is my one. And, and after, after there were two weeks where we sat huge weeks from Goff while Cousins was on the road, I started platooning them. Yeah. Um, they were both significantly better at home and their schedule kind of worked out that it seemed like whenever one was home, the other one was on the road. And I actually ended up fourth in quarterback points in that league. Only the, the guys with Hertz, Allen and Mahomes ended up with more points than me with those two. I like both of those quarterbacks. I liked them both last year. I like them both this year. I agree with, with Moody that, that cousins has is a little ahead of him, but um but but just focusing on Goff for a second, you know, I think when when they made that trade, the Stafford trade, you know, people kind of thought maybe Goff just didn't have it, you know, even though he had been to a Super Bowl and that he would just kind of keep the seat warm in Detroit until um, as they inevitably would have a high draft, very high draft pick. They would they would draft a quarterback Um but now, you know, Goff had a, a very good year last year. Do you think this is sort of a, a make or break, plant the flag kind of year for him? Or, or do you think he's sort of proven um, that he's the guy there? I would say uh, I, I do believe, like, it is a make or break year for, for Goff. Um, it's, you know, it, it's complicated. I think the best way to tackle this is, one thing with Goff is that he's under contract with the Lions through the 2024 season. I'm like, they're in the midst of contract negotiations right now. Not too much information on that front, but we do know that conversations are taking place. Mm. I just think my, my big takeaway is that I think it's important for Goff to have like a great season just in order to follow up his solid 2022 season. 
just to show that consistency. Mm. But he's got Ben Johnson back uh, in Detroit, you know, as the Lions offensive coordinator. I know he had some interviews. They thought he may end up leaving, but he's, he's staying, which is good. And one thing about Goff, I'm like, he had 4,438 passing yards and 29 touchdowns last season. If you're looking at it in fantasy, I'm like, he finished, you know, it's like a, a QB 10, I believe. And so I just think it's important for Goff, given his supporting cast, like in Detroit, you know, to have another great season. And it could end up really positioning him for like a future contract with this team for down the road. And we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Perhaps this could be a, a Super Bowl a legitimate, I would say, Super Bowl contender, depending on how uh, next this season goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say making the playoffs, I think, is very important for him Yeah, this year. And then, you know, we'd see how he does in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. um, I think that sort of, it sort of has to start there Yeah, for him. You mentioned Jared Goff being under contract until 2024 and showing some consistency being important for Jared Goff. But when you look at what he's done with this – Lions team and what he did with the Rams should should Detroit consider making Goff their franchise quarterback Moody I, I believe they should now, now hear me out here so okay I would say finding like adequate quarterback play in the NFL I would say is a difficult task I think oh, yeah. the contract that Daniel Jones received from the Giants last season would be a good starting point uh, for Goff and the Lions you look at Goff I'm like he'll turn 29 years old this year but I think keeping Goff as their starting quarterback really keeps the Lions, I guess, their Super Bowl window open, I would say, for another three to four years. And yeah. again, I'm like, I mentioned before, I'm like, he was great last season. But I think if you were to isolate like what he was able to do over the final 11 games, it's really impressive. I'm like, he would throw for 18 touchdowns with just one interception, a 66.7% completion rate, finish mm. in the top 10 in passing yards and touchdowns. Had fewer yeah. interceptions than Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. So I'm not saying that Goff is like on the level of Patrick Mahomes, but I think he's right. a lot better than what people think. And I do believe with this roster that the Detroit Lions have assembled right now, they could be legitimate Super Bowl contenders, like with Goff and the other offensive playmakers that they have, and then this defense. So I believe that they should make Goff their franchise quarterback. Let's uh let's stick with the Lions and uh and and Goff's favorite target. One of my favorite players in the league um is Amon Ra St. Brown. You know, he was a fourth round draft pick and for yeah. two years he's just been proving every team that passed on him three times very wrong. Um, oh yeah. And is you know, he proved last year that he's he's no fluke. And his current um expert consensus ranking, I like those better than than ADP. So his his ECR right now is wide receiver nine in both half PPR and full PPR. Mm-hmm. Um, curious what you think about that ranking too high, too low, just about right. Yeah, I, I believe it's, it's just right. I'm like, he's one of my favorite targets at his uh, average draft position right now. Uh, last season, you look at St. Brown, I'm like, he finished ninth in the league with 146 targets. Uh, he was mm. six in receptions, had 106. Yeah. One thing I you know, I'd mentioned that I'm like, uh, he averaged 16.7 oh, fantasy points per game. I think which which is huge. I'm like you've yeah. got Jameson Williams. I'm like he's suspended for part of the season, and so St. Brown will be a key playmaker for the Lions. And really, opposing defenses really won't be able to contain him. I'm like, as you mentioned, I'm like he's he's proved a lot of people wrong. I'm like he's very talented. I'm like he's great in the open field. I'm like yards after the catch. I'm like he, you know he's your guy. And one thing about the Lions though, they have really one of the most favorable schedules. I would say for wide receivers this upcoming season. So St. Brown is firmly on the wide receiver one radar. 
Well, the, the three receivers who are – I agree with everything you said about him. Um, the three receivers right behind him right now in expert consensus rankings are Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddell, T. Higgins, and then Chris Olave. Okay. Um, I personally, I think, would take Sabe Brown. I mean, it's it's close with some of those, um, but I think I would take him ahead of all, all four of those guys. Do you, do you yeah. feel the same way? I, I do, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Garrett Wilson this year. Uh have the same feelings towards a Chris Olave, but I think one thing that'll really separate Amon Ross St. Brown from those other players that you mentioned is just think about the number of targets that he's going to amass like with Jamison Williams out. And so for that being, you know, on the front end of the yeah. season and in fantasy, you're trying to get off to a fast start. Like yeah. he's going to deliver some monster performances with the schedule. So Amon Ross St. Brown would get the edge, but I'm a huge Garrett Wilson, you know, second year breakout guy. <laughs> Pains me yeah, to say yeah. that, but I would go with St. Brown. <laughs> well, that's why they're that's why they're just one apart, you know, in, yeah. in, in ECR. They're both nice targets. If you miss one, you get the other. You know, uh the Lions were had a pretty busy offseason moody and they 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 shook up the backfield. You know, Jamal Williams leads the league in TDs last year. They let him walk and they bring in David Montgomery, and then they use a top 15 pick on a, a Jameer Gibbs, who's an electric, <laughs> electric player receiver out of the backfield, and then they trade away DeAndre Swift. You look at this line's backfield, is it the best in the NFC North? It's really close between the Packers and the Lions, but you know I'm going to go with Detroit because of their offensive line. Like This is a unit that dealt with numerous injuries last season, but the Lions, like offensive line, was still able to showcase like its talent. They ended up ranking ninth in run block win rate. I mean, this is a group with three first-round picks and a pro bowler. Like This offensive line is top-notch at four out of five positions. And you mentioned this. Detroit had a solid you know, rushing attack last year. Like they ranked 13th with 28.2 rushing attempts per game and 11th with 128.2 rushing yards per game. We all witnessed how productive Jamal Williams was in Detroit last year. Great pick in fantasy. Really exceeded oh, yeah. expectations. Had a career year, especially due to Swift's uh, injury troubles. But one thing about Williams, I'm like, you know, he led the league in rushing touchdowns like you mentioned. But looking ahead, I'm like, you've got, you know, Gibbs and Montgomery. They're going to share the workload for the Lions, but I think that places both of them really on the RB2 radar, like in my opinion. So I mm-hmm. think they're being overlooked in drafts. So it's close between Detroit and Green Bay, but I do believe the Lions have the best backfield in the division. So, Paul, you mentioned David Montgomery leaving Chicago, going to Detroit. That opens the door for Khalil Herbert. They also drafted Roshan Johnson, the Bears I'm talking about now. I think the best running back there is Justin Fields, so that factors in as well. Um, but, Moody, I'm curious whether you, what you think about the Chicago running backs in, in a redraft league. Say, are you targeting them? Are you, you know, I, I see Khalil Herbert on the board in like the eighth or ninth round. Um, and that kind of looks tempting, but then I, I just don't know what to think about that backfield. What are your thoughts about Chicago backfield? Yeah, it's um, it's, it's really difficult to have confidence in the Bears backfield. You kind of hit on a lot of points. You know, Khalil Herbert's there, Deontay Foreman. You got Johnson that's there. You got Justin Fields who's going to command a high number of rushing attempts. But I will say, you know, I am very open to drafting Johnson as a lottery ticket. And one thing about him, I'm like, he's an efficient rusher. He profiles physically as a three-down back, and he's also solid in pass protection. Like this is this is someone who played with Bijan Robinson at the University of Texas. He had 47 career games, only five starts, but 
but still managed to rank 18th on the school's all-time rushing list with 2,190 rushing yards on 392 attempts, 5.7 yards per carry. So he has the potential, I would say, to be a fantasy football league winner, just depending on how the backfield breaks out or mm-hmm. breaks down in Chicago. But also, just as the season progresses, you know, who knows? They may just ride the hot hand, and that hot hand could be Johnson. And he could be someone that you pick up at the tail end of your draft who helps you win your league in 2023. So, Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people have been questioning Justin Fields as a passer. Even, even the show, you know, you kind of seen last year at times that maybe even the team didn't really believe in Justin Fields yeah. as their quarterback. And you hear the rumors of, you know, potentially, you know, targeting a quarterback with the number one overall pick. And, of course, we saw Chicago trade that pick to, to Carolina and they acquired D.J. Moore. You know, the fantasy community is indifferent on DJ Moore. To, to you, what are your thoughts on DJ Moore this, this year? Is he a buyer or sell for you, Moody? Yeah, for me, I would say DJ Moore is, is someone that I'm buying. Uh, you mentioned about the offseason changes. So the Bears upgraded their receiving playmakers in 2023. I look mm-hmm. at someone like DJ Moore, someone who should command, you know, at least 100 or more targets. And so I think many are making the assumption that the Bears will remain like a run-heavy team. But it is possible that they end up leaning a little bit more on fields as a passer in 2023. One thing about Moore, I'm like, he's totaled at least 1,150 receiving yards or seven touchdowns in four consecutive seasons. So I'm looking at Moore as someone who's like a solid low-end wide receiver two or flex option. He's just not a player I'm aggressively targeting in drafts because I have seen his ADP, you know, depending on the size of the league and how those are drafting within it. You know, anywhere like in the fourth round, I've seen him go in, in some leagues. So he, he's more of an option. I would look into more at the fifth or sixth round. Again, not someone I'm aggressively targeting, but if he's there, I'm very open to drafting him ideally as my flex option. So, yeah. So uh, we'll go back a couple years 2020, Josh Allen going into his third year. The, the Bills bring in Stefan Diggs. Allen makes the leap. Um, 2022, just uh, Jalen Hurts going into his third season. The Eagles bring in A.J. Brown, and uh, Jalen Hurts makes the leap. 2023, um, the Bears, Justin Fields going into his third year, the guy we just talked about. They bring in D.J. Moore, you know, a a guy who can be a a wide receiver one. I'm not saying he's Stephon Diggs or A.J. Brown. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the Bears are hoping for the same kind of lightning in a bottle. Um, do you think that can happen? Like, well, do you think that uh, that the addition of um, and, you know, they did they also added Chase Claypool last year and that didn't really use him much. But um, can, can DJ Moore do for Justin Fields what those other elite receivers did for those other quarterbacks? Yeah, no, I, I do kind of see, you know, some of those parallels, but. I just don't think that uh, DJ Moore will have the same effect as, say, like Stefan Diggs had on, on Josh Allen. But one thing about Moore, it doesn't mean that he can't be productive. I'm like, he could still see anywhere from 110 to 120 targets and finish with around 1,000 receiving yards. Still, I still see the, the Bears as a run-heavy team, but I do believe they'll still lean a little bit more on fields as a passer. I just don't think the, um, the ceiling is going to be as high or explosive as, say, Stefan Diggs catching balls from Josh Allen. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know, we've talked about the what the Bears have done to, to help Justin Fields this year. Uh, when you look at Fields, I mean, of course we know what he is as a, as a rusher, but 
Do you see him as a, as more than just a, a mobile quarterback, or do you, do you think he's actually a, a good passer as well? Yeah, I do believe he's a he's a good passer, and I think we'll see more of that in 2023. But and here's the reality if we're looking at this from fantasy. I'm like, Fields' fantasy value is, is tied heavily to his rushing ability. I'm like, Fields average only 149.5 passing yards per game in 2022. I do see that increasing, but I could just see him averaging around 220 to 230 passing yards per game this year. Again, not a significant increase, but still enough of an increase to show progression uh, as, you know, as a passer, I would say. Yeah. It's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, so following up on that, because, um, you know, I think right now Justin Fields is is certainly one of the hottest commodities, you know, kind of looking at this coming season. Um, and it's kind of funny if you think back to last year, because people who drafted him were dropping him after yeah. about week three or four, because <laughs> I mean, it was horrible, What was, you know, the way the Bears were were playing offensively. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if they let him start running or he just decided I need to start running. And then we saw what he did. He was, you know, the QB one over about a five or six week stretch until he got yeah. hurt. It's glorious. Um, he was just putting up numbers like even Lamar Jackson wasn't putting up the kind of rushing numbers that, you know, Lamar at his peak in, in 18 and 19 as a runner wasn't putting up the kind of numbers Fields was putting up during that stretch last season. So now coming into this season, you know, his ECR right now is, is the QB six. Um, are you kind of buying at that value? Do you see him potentially being a top five QB in fantasy this year? Yeah, I, I don't see fields finishing as a top five fantasy option. Uh, I do believe that he'll finish like as a top 10 fantasy QB. I just believe like six to 10 it's probably going to be a more realistic range, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's hard. I think it'd be tough to get him um, at that, you know, sort of the 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 equivalent round value as like the QB eight, yeah. because I think, I think just people have seen the way the game has changed and the way like what what Hertz did last year, you know, with all the rushing touchdowns, and what Fields did when he got hot last year, and mm -hmm. I think he'll be off draft boards if it, you know before before uh, you're going to take him and probably before I'm going to take him also. Yeah. Yeah. Dave mentioned earlier in the, in the show that green Bay has, has made a change at quarterback and they're going to hand over the reins to Jordan love. And earlier today, Moody, you had a tweet about uh, sneaky quarterback two options. And this guy was on your list. I'm referring to Jordan love. When you, yeah. when you look at him, I mean, is he, is he a sneaky option in super flex leagues? Yeah, I believe so. I'm like one thing about Love, I'm like he's, I'm like he's got a, a very good arm. I'm like he's also mobile. I just think fantasy managers are feeling a bit queasy because there isn't much data to go on. It's nothing really yeah. to analyze. He's only attempted 83 passes since entering the league back in 2020. But one thing about the Packers, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm like this is a Green Bay team that has a solid offensive line, so he should have ample pass protection. They've also done what they can to surround Love with playmakers. He's got Christian Watson there. He's got Romeo Dobbs. So he's got pass catchers to throw to. And so I just look at Love. I'm like, he has little risk at his ADP. It's really all upside and worth a shot, especially if you're drafting in super flex format. So I do see him as a sneaky 
uh, QB2 option. I'm like, who knows? I'm like, he can easily, he could possibly even finish as like a top 16 quarterback. It's just, it'll be curious yeah. to see how things unfold for Love because I am very, uh, very high on him and optimistic. So, definitely, likewise. So, you mentioned, uh, I guess, the, the presumptive top target there, Christian Watson. And Watson, like Fields last year, was a waiver wire darling. And uh, I know because I benefited from that. And I know Paul's a, a Cowboy fan, Moody. I don't know, living where you live, if you're also a <laughs> Cowboy fan. But Cowboy fans will remember the beginning of the Christian Watson breakout last year because it was that it was that uh, amazing three-touchdown game. Um, and then he just started scoring every week. Um, obviously, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. And, um, and you know, Rodgers didn't go back to him immediately after the first pass Rodgers threw last year was like, a beautiful 75 yard rainbow that, that Watson dropped. I don't know if you guys remember that (laughs) NFL career started. Um, So, so what do you think about Watson for this year with, with love under center? Um, You know, his current ECR, his, his expert consensus ranking is wide receiver 27. So he's not that expensive. Um, Does, does he have upside to be like a top 15 wide receiver this year just with his rare combination of of size and speed or or what do you think's a realistic excuse me a realistic expectation for christian watson this year yeah i don't see watson finishing like as a top 15 option i think he'll finish just inside the top 20 um even though like watson emerged like as a packers number one wide receiver last season i'm like you you were alluding to it and mentioned it We, we all watched like with awe like he ranked 12th in yards per route run and third in fantasy points per route run. Very productive. Scored a ton of touchdowns, which obviously elevated his fantasy value. I just yeah. think the, that'll change in 2023. may not score as many touchdowns. But my bigger concern with Watson really boils down to, is he going to get enough targets to really propel him into mm. the top 15 fantasy wide receivers? I don't believe that he will because he does have Romeo Dobbs that's there. A lot of buzz surrounding Dobbs with, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, being loves, you know, you know, number one guy. You know, that guy yeah. And so, but who knows? I still think Watson's the number one. I'm just concerned about the targets. I think top 20 is a little bit more realistic in my opinion. Yeah. And they could be, you alluded it to, to it before with the line, they have a new quarterback coming in and the two running backs they have, they could also just be pretty run heavy, more run heavy than they've been, you know, in the, uh, in the Lafleur era there. Um, where they had Aaron Rodgers. So I I think I agree with you. I I don't think he's a top 15 guy, but the talent is there. (laughs) You know, you you, uh, mentioned Aaron Jones earlier, thinking that he could finish as an RB1 again this year. But, you know, uh, another player in that backfield, A.J. Dillon, is someone who people have kind of soured on, but we've seen his potential as well. If you had to pick one of these guys strictly based on their ADP, who, who are you going with this year, Moody? Yeah, I, I would end up going with Aaron Jones. I know many fantasy managers wanted desperately for A.J. Dillon you know, to break out. But Jones is still very productive, and we saw a lot from him, especially as a receiver uh, out of the backfield. And so I still think he'll get a lot of touches, and he's someone that I would rather see fantasy managers prioritize than A.J. Dillon. And so I would go with, uh, go with Aaron Jones here. I, mean, I think he's a great value. I'm mean, like, he's someone who's readily available just depending on the size of your league, like I've seen him go as late as like the fourth round. Usually like the third round tends to be the sweet spot, but I think he's someone who can easily exceed <coughs> expectations. So, 
Uh, okay, so we've, we've, we've talked about all four teams in the division now, and I, I think we touched on – we certainly talked about all four quarterbacks, and I think yeah. we've touched on, you know, kind of the major fantasy uh, assets on, on all four teams. Mm-hmm. So overall, Moody, if you had to pick one team in the NFC North that you're sort of sweetest on for fantasy, that you, that you might find yourself, you know, hoping you come out of the draft with a little more exposure – um, to one team in the division, uh, which one would it be? Yeah, this may come as a surprise uh, to many people, but it's it's actually the Green Bay Packers, and here's why. What I like about the Packers players in fantasy is that they're all really good values right now because it's a lot of uncertainty in Green Bay. No Aaron Rodgers. you got Jordan Love. So all these players that we talked about, uh, like Jordan Love, uh, Aaron Jones, uh, Christian Watson, A.J. Dillon, I'm like, they're really afterthoughts in the minds of fantasy football managers right now, which creates opportunity. But one thing the Packers have really one of the most, I would say the easiest schedules from a fantasy perspective. They have a, obviously a ton of games against their, uh, you know, the other teams in their division in the uh, NFC North, but they also face the NFC South as well. And so with that schedule and, and some of these playmakers on the team, I think at the end of the day, when the dust is settled in the 2023 season, I think you'll have some players or some managers that are like, you know what? I should have had more Packers like on my team. <laughs> yeah. That, that answer does surprise me, but I follow your logic. Um, I think that's a, an interesting and thought provoking answer. Yeah. Best ball being all the rage in the last couple of years, Moody, is there, do you have a favorite quarterback wide receiver stack in, in best ball leash from this division? Yeah, actually, actually, I've got uh, I've got two. So I love the combination of uh, Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. I'm like, given their relative ADPs, it's something that if you have an early pick that you can implement. But I also yeah. like Kirk Cousins and Jordan Addison too, who's who's obviously available later uh, for the Lions. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown and Jarrett Goff uh, is one that I I like quite a bit. Oh, yeah, uh, again, yeah. the ADP scenario pans out, but. Just think about the the fireworks that these two players are going to create, especially the early part of the season where Jamison Williams is out. So I know those yeah. are some stacks that I'm a huge fan on a fan of. Excuse me, in best ball. So absolutely. So we've talked we've talked a lot about players that uh, that you're high on for this year um, in this division. Are there one or two players that at their current uh, draft value you're you're a seller? on that you think are just too too overvalued and won't live up to their ADP? Yeah, it's it's uh, I guess one that comes to mind is like Khalil Herbert. I've seen his ADP kind of fluctuate, but he's just not someone that I really want uh, like on, on my teams. Uh, I would say if you're looking at it from like just a dynasty lens, uh, just given his contract situation and age, you know, obviously now is a good time to kind of sell high on Aaron Jones. But those are just two players – off the top of my my head that come to mind once you ask that question so all right uh moody we're getting close to the end of it here we we can't end a show without a bold call uh give me your bold call nfc north edition sir <laughs> i'm gonna go i'm gonna go back with the green bay packers here so i would say the green bay packers surprise everyone and they win at least 10 or more games oh i like that you're high on the Packers. I like that because a lot of people, I don't know, they're, they're like you said, they're so the unknown with Jordan Love. I think has people shying away from that that situation. Paul, do you do you have a bold call for this division, Paul? 
Um, no, I, you know, I was letting Moody take over. He's a professional here, so I, I didn't do too. I didn't do too much research tonight. <laughs> How about you, Dave? Well, my, mine, I do have one, and it and it kind of, I think, fits with with Moody's because my bold call was going to be that the Vikings, who won the division last year, finished third this year, behind the Lions and the Packers. I mean, I just think. There, there's got to be some close game regression for them. You know, they just won every close game yeah. they played last year, um, except for the playoff game against the Giants. That's where it kind of ended. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do like a lot of the players on their team. I don't think they did enough to address a bad defense and a defense that they couldn't count on in the playoffs. So um, I don't think the Vikings are a bad team, but if they finish eight and nine, I won't be surprised. And I don't Ooh. think that'll be good enough to finish ahead of either the Lions or the Packers. That's interesting. It's not that bold, but that's my bold call. Yeah. All right, off the top of my head, I'll say this. My bold call, Jameer Gibbs has 70 receptions his rookie year. How about that? <laughs> I like it. Okay. Eric, you know, I can't thank you enough. Excuse me, Moody, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. You mentioned earlier uh, the content you're creating and, you know, working for ESPN, of course. But, again, just reminding people, uh, what can they expect from the, the soft season and where they can find it? Yeah, no, I'll be happy to do that. And, and I'll just say again, you know, just everyone, just follow me on all social media platforms at Eric and Moody. You know, all of my NFL, NBA, and WNBA content, like, is available on ESPN.com. I do have a fantasy football article that should be published uh, tomorrow, uh, which ended up being Thursday, uh, that, that highlights like players who benefit like from good offensive line play. So I dove really mm. deep on the offensive lines uh, for this article on like any additions that they have, players that they left uh, or that, that left the team, uh, how they performed last year from like a film perspective, but also I looked at some uh, advanced metrics as well, and just really to identify like running backs. And it's like a list of running backs that I want really on all of my teams, or at least they have some exposure to. And so that'll end up getting published uh, for tomorrow. But if everyone is active, you know, on social media, um, I think one thing that kind of separates me from others uh, that are out there is I'd love to like interact uh, like with my following. So always try to answer as many or reply to as many comments as possible and also answer as many questions as possible. So I think that's important. You got a lot of people oh, that yeah. were all part of this fantasy football community. Uh, and a lot of people have questions, you know, want to share their opinions. And so I'm really all about that. So a lot of my tweets are very like thought provoking and always kind of ask for responses. And so I always try yeah. to take time out each day to respond to those. So, you know, if you're looking for another fantasy football follow that engages with his audience, I'm your guy. Yes, <laughs> it's very nice that you do that because not everyone does. So, um, yeah. Uh, on behalf of the fantasy football community that's out there, thank you for for being uh, for engaging with your followers. Oh yeah! Again, thank you, Moody, so much for coming on tonight, Dave. Before we uh, wrap things up, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter. Yep, um, at Pigskin Papers uh, with both P's capitalized. My website is thepigskinpapers.com. I'll have a new article out by the end of the week. I did my first set of, of redraft rankings, and it's the players I had mm. the most trouble ranking. So look for oh, that. I like that. <laughs> yes, sir. We talked uh, about we talked about at least one of them tonight. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be definitely be on the lookout for that, guys. I'm Paul Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan fifteen. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>